Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. This is, this is going to sound funny. I, I, mom and dad had uh, linoleum floors. They had, yeah. <laughs> they had um, plastic uh, sh- you never saw that part. Okay. Like, like I did. Like one night, my parents went home to the and and I I deliberately stayed a little bit later than they did, and I threw away every bit of that. Um, okay. Uh, obviously, by the next week when you guys visited, some of it was put back, <laughs> but uh, it, it didn't get put back uh, to the level it was um, prior to me throwing it away. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. All right. Welcome to The Leading Edge. This is episode uh, 53. And today we are talking with uh, Tatsu Tushida, uh, Tokyo Automotive. In uh, what city are you in, Tatsu? Placentia, California. <clears throat> My doctor friends love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so um, the whole purpose of my conversation with Tatsu, uh, Tatsu's been with me about seven years in our groups, I'd say. I'd say seven? six, probably. Six or seven. But okay. my memory is, is just as fuzzy as yours, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, no, I bet mine's worse. Um, that's what happens when you get the white hair on top of your head, buddy. You you won't worry about that much. So, well, um, I, the, not that I'm the, losing any, I'm I'm shaving it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Tatsu um, works with his dad and and mom, uh, and there have been, I think, a myriad of changes over the past, say, six years. When you started uh, your journey with the with the smart groups, what? Um, what was your average, say, monthly sales at the time? Um, we were handwritten work orders. Um, it was kind of difficult to even know how much I was making. Um, I was more or less um, a technician in the back of the shop and um, and also with, with being a service writer as well. So I, I wouldn't say... Um, that I know for certain how much it was, but I do remember looking at a, a, a February that right, right at the time uh, I started with you, uh, that was something in the neighborhood of $80,000. It was an incredible month, but we had, we're, we were doing about 240 cars. So you can imagine what that looks like. It, um, you know, it's in a seven bay shop. It's, Cars on the hoist, cars a quick inspection, not a very thorough inspection, um, and then car comes right back off because you're you're not you don't have the clientele to to that would want that kind of work uh, anything that you would suggest that is. So so how how, how um, I know that uh, your record month uh, is um, well I thought I knew what it was what what's your record month now one twenty one thirty. 120,000. Yeah, okay. we did it we did it in August of last year. And you're more consistently now uh hitting higher numbers and having more profits. I just want to say that although you're not 
you know, again, as you and I talked about before we started, the business is not perfect. Uh, it's not. And then, and then, and then obviously the, the big uh, variable this year is COVID. So, yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I want to go back. Um, so you're primarily uh, a, a technician in your father's shop uh, who also has a business partner um, and you're also writing some service. How in the heck did you uh, find out, get interested or uh, get it? And why would you get interested with a, a smart group or a 20s group? Um, uh, how did that happen? So I would say that was probably about 2009. Your predecessor uh, was was running the smart group at that point, um, Kelly Bennett. Um, okay. And my sales rep, uh, Steve Lito from Worldpack, gives me a call. I said, hey, there's this thing going on in Santa Ana. Um, you know the hotel very well, that that room that uh, we have the smart group meeting often. Um, and uh, why don't you go down to it? Um, Nick Modesti was there. Um, yeah. And we kept in touch. Um, I wasn't quite ready at that point to um, manage the shop. I was more of a technician. I was like, well, what does this kind of really have to do with me? I, I know there's a future here uh, at a later date when when I decide that I need to run the shop. Um, and then I would say three, four years later, I had a, I had a records crash. My computer died. And I just took the impetus. I need to get a modern invoicing system. I need to to become the service writer. So it was at, at it was at that point that kind of I made that shift um, from technician to to service writer. And I I I was finding that I just didn't know what the heck I was doing at all. So okay, yeah. So and you then, felt. Yeah, and, and then and then the next step like was maybe, well, um, Nick and and the other people in the okay. yeah the other people in the room were like this is this is awesome I didn't yeah I didn't know what I was what I was doing and then I'm like well I, I need to go revisit that and at that point by that point uh, you were in in place and uh, Kelly had stepped down as um, and and you were the coach for the group. What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. So your dad um, is old school. Your dad and mom are old school Japanese. Yes, much, they are. Right? Yeah. Are yeah. you still Okay. And so you come back from a group meeting uh, and you say, hey, I want to join this group and I want to spend X amount of money. I remember when we first came to your shop, it was apparent that your parents were, you know, trying to save every nickel, really. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, just yeah. really very conservative about uh, where they spent money. Uh, yes. And you, you came back and said, hey, I want to I do this thing. What, what, was the, what was the reaction? How did you get your parents to, to move forward with that? Um, 
this is this is gonna sound funny. I, I mom and dad had uh, linoleum floors. They had yeah. <laughs> they had um, plastic. Uh, sh- you never saw that part. The plastic all yeah, over the place. No, you did not. I actually, did. it was. Okay. I, I threw it away before you came. Okay. Like, like I did. Like one night, my parents went home to the and and I I deliberately stayed a little bit later than they did, and I threw away every bit of that. Um, okay. I, obviously, by the next week when you guys visited, some of it was put back, <laughs> but uh, okay. it, it didn't get put back uh, to the level it was. Um, prior to me throwing it away, so okay. <laughs> it gives you an idea. How, how, yeah how did, how did you get your how did you get your mom and dad or your dad to say okay? I kind of forced my way through it. It was it it was a little bit of bickering, a little bit of fighting. Um, I remember those early years when I was trying to put these new concepts into place. Uh, we would often have arguments right in front of the customer. Um, I, I would I would try to charge uh, what what a professional shop should charge, and Dad was like, "Why are you doing this?" Right in front of the customer. So that was pretty tense at the time. Uh, but he he has learned that over the years that if if we want the technicians that are currently back there in the shop right now, that we need to charge accordingly. Um, he finally learned that lesson probably about uh, probably two years into it. So until then we were, you know, and we had the college kid back there. Um, we, uh, we weren't even aware that we weren't paying uh, fair wages. So, okay. Yeah. Do you, um, I remember my, my dad battling with my dad over pricing uh, constantly. Um, you know, my dad came up as a, technician started his own shop in 1961 uh when i went to work for him i think we were 21 dollars an hour uh and this is in the late 70s early 80s uh when i left we were 75 and he lowered the labor rate by five bucks an hour and we constantly battled over that one of the things that that struck me was that about we didn't talk to each other really for about four or five years, we, you know, I, I called and said, Hey, how are you doing? He said, I'm still alive. And that was our, that was the extent of our conversation for probably about five years. And then you mean between you and your dad, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, I left the shop. Um, I got the, I, I didn't feel like my dad was going to move the shop into the 21st century. And I felt like I couldn't take care of my family. Um, because frankly, we weren't being paid a living wage. Um, and dad didn't understand that because he paid $13,000 for his house in 1961. His payments were a hundred bucks a month. And my first house was a hundred grand and my payments were a thousand dollars a month. Oh, I could totally relate to that. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. And, and, and yeah. he didn't, you know, his bills were nothing. He'd already paid his house off, you know, at a hundred bucks a month. Imagine if you had a house now, say, say 400 bucks a month, how fast you could pay that off. Right. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, we, we had a technician in the back. He was our master technician. Um, he was a guy that grew up in my neighborhood. Um, he worked at the gas station down the street. And as a kid, I would skateboard by this gas station on my way home to, uh, to, 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 to school. I mean, uh, to school and back. Um, cause we're skateboard kids, right? Um, we picked yeah. him up. 
he worked at our shop. That was his first mechanic job. I believe he was at $18 an hour. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and plus commission of some sort. Um, and we didn't even realize just, just how low we were. Yeah. Uh, um, obliv- oblivious. Yeah. And I, I could totally relate to your story about, you know, not being able, able to, to have a living wage because what was happening is that my dad was like, well, why don't you go buy a house? And he's telling this employee, why don't you go buy a house? I'm like, in retrospect, even a couple of years after that, after he left, there's no way he could have well, on the How wage that we're, he, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, about five years after I left the shop, dad and I, of course, not having really much communication. One day I called and he was like, boy, I really, you know, made a big mistake. Um, and we had a different conversation. He wanted me to come back and run the shop, but by then it, it was too late for me. What I do remember is about three years in, two or three years after I left, um, there was a guy down the street that worked at a shell station. He was a good guy, nice guy, but he was a crappy mechanic. I mean, he, he made mistakes constantly on these cars. And, and the reason we knew is because every time he got himself in trouble, he'd call us and we'd end up with the car or we'd end up helping him out or, you know, whatever that was. And we had, I, I felt like we had really good mechanics. I thought I was a good one, you know, and, and we had two other really good guys. Um, when I left, those guys left. Uh, and, and my dad had this guy working for him from the Shell Station that we used to make fun of. Uh, and really because he, he, he didn't put together, if I don't pay a good wage, I don't get a good guy, right? And, and yeah. dad was complaining yeah. about, you know, comebacks and, and, you know, lack of productivity, can't get the work out. You know, the things that I hear now a lot about shops. Um, and uh, uh, so, so, all right, so your dad and you, you know, you kind of forced your way through this and, and you and your dad did this for a while. What made that go away? How, how did the, what did you do or what happened at the headbutting uh, uh, stop. Not that it's completely gone. I'm sure you and your dad occasionally disagree about something, but you know, um, my understanding is it's, it's almost non-existent today. So it's, what changed that? My early successes, um, uh, making more money. Um, really that's just it. I mean, just, um, he saw that I was there, there was a, uh, I believe, I had a ferocity in me, I guess, I, uh, a commitment to go forward with it. And, and we did uh, have some early successes with it. So I, you, I can't go ahead. Do you think there's a, a cultural um, difference? Uh, you know, you're again, your, your dad is first generation uh, Japanese in the United States. You're second. Do the, from your point of view, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be prejudiced or have any of that. So please, anybody that's listening, I don't have a prejudice bone in my body. Um, but is there a different cultural situation the way that uh, uh, Japanese parents treat their son or, or, you know, give them more rope than say, uh, you know, uh, American, uh, um, you know, that are from America. My parents, I don't know when my family came here, uh, probably when the first settlers came in in the 1600s. Um, but, but do you think there's a difference culturally in the way that sons are treated or not all Japanese fathers are like my father. 
Okay. Um, that being said, I would say a lot of Japanese fathers are like my father, very stoic, okay. very quiet. There's a certain, you know, your work speaks for itself. Um, okay. He came up, um, we were the first Japanese car specialist in Orange County uh, in 1978. And everybody lost their pants, uh, their blouses, their laundry, everything. They lost everything when they found, oh, my God, there is a Japanese guy working on my Japanese car. Um, he came up basically saying that his sincerity, um, his, his want to get it right uh, spoke, spoke volumes. And it did. Uh, and back then, um, perhaps 80, I think we were at $60 an hour back then in the eighties, $60 an hour was fair. Okay. Uh, and maybe it was, or wasn't, I don't know. Your opinion might differ, but <laughs> any which way, the point is you could make a good living in doing so. Okay. Um, and then slowly as the years went by, you know, and he, dad's still at that labor rate. And now, now he's getting me into the mix. There's employees that he has to worry about. I mean, fine if you're by yourself in a hole in the wall garage with your partner working on cars for the rest of your life, you can make a pretty good living. But if you want to be bigger than that and something better than that, you just can't. Um, so going back to your cultural thing, yeah, there is there is something cultural there. Japanese fathers are generally very stoic, very quiet. They're not very teacher-like. Um, I remember having a discussion about air conditioning. Um, I went to Cypress College uh, because I felt that I lacked in the air conditioning department. I didn't understand the concept of it, how it worked, and, and, and I went to go take a class on it. After I spent that, that semester, I, I, I thought, Dad understands air conditioning. Why couldn't he teach me? You know, that's because uh, he's not a teacher. And, and part of it, it's language barrier, too. I was brought up here. I would consider myself probably about 70% Japanese fluent. I mean, if I go if I go to the old country and I speak Japanese, uh, people think I'm native. Uh, as soon as I have, have difficulties reading the signage and stuff like that, and people are looking at me like, you're an idiot. Are you, are you, something's wrong with you. And, 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 and I, yeah, I keep getting tired that I have to preface the situation. Hey, I was brought up in America by Japanese parents and my English, my Japanese sounds like it's a native level, but at the same time, uh, the fact that I was brought up over there, I don't have a full understanding of the culture. Nice. So yeah, dad's a bit of a hard ass. Um, yeah, there, there's no getting around that. Uh, he softened I, up over the years, but I don't, I don't know that there's a difference there. My dad was a hard ass too. I think maybe the fifties people growing up in the fifties and sixties, they were hard asses because that's because work was such a part of who they were, right? Yeah. Um, and still, and still are. If my dad was still alive, I guarantee you, whatever he was doing would be a huge part of who he is. His shop was was everything to him. I think, other than his his family. I mean, he loved us, but he struggled to show it because he was this stoic, hard-ass guy. I mean, you know, um, so I don't know that that's different. My dad was a pretty good teacher when it came to mechanical. I remember when I started out at his shop as a technician, I found out that General Motors and Ford both had um, classes going on up in Burbank and we were in Palm Springs. And that's on a 
<coughs> I don't know, on a good day with little traffic, that's an hour and 30 minute drive. On a bad day with traffic, it's three and a half. Um, and uh, so they had these, these classes on, um, I remember uh, rebuilding carburetors. Uh, Ford had variable Venturi class. Uh, GM had uh, rebuilding drive shafts and, and axles. Uh, and we were just seeing front wheel drive more and more at that time. So I went to dad and I said, hey, I want to go take these classes. Uh, they cost, they didn't cost much. They were, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks at the most for a week. And, uh, and I, I'd like to go up there and stay. And he was like, no way, I'm not paying for that crap. You know, it was, it was, he just didn't, he didn't get it. Uh, for him, uh, it was easy to learn from whoever he was working on. And I think the cars were less sophisticated. And as they became more and more sophisticated, the necessity for training becomes more and more uh, essential to be successful, right? Um, so you, I would say business too. I, I would say that, you know, business in the 70s was easier than business in the 2020s. Yeah. I mean, take away the pandemic stuff and uh, it's a lot more complicated today. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And the margins are slimmer. And, and back then it was just like, well, you know, you just charge what you charge and you make a fair, a, a great, great living by doing so. But now, yeah, especially Southern California with everything being so expensive. Um, yeah. You just can't willy nilly it anymore. So for me, you know, one of the things that I talk about in the groups a lot and in, and in my training a lot is, the fact that the marketplace is so far behind what they should be charging. Um, now you, you've, you've raised your price from, I don't know, in the eighties uh, uh, up to uh, what? 130, 140 uh, at this point. At, at, uh, and you've done that in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. Real short, short amount of time. I think when I first started with you, um, I was at 115. Um, okay. and then your predecessor, Kelly, uh, had convinced us that we needed to go 70, 80, 90. And then we went to, by the time I landed at you, I was at like 105 or something like that. And then that first class, I went home and I, I changed it okay. to 115. So, and, and currently I charge, um, I have a multi-tiered labor rate. Uh, generally speaking, I'm 165 on Diag. 145 on the regular work. Uh, if it's a hybrid, it's if it's an unusually large car, um, if it's uh, a luxury car, now I'm talking about 195 diag rate and 165 um, for regular work. Okay. And and how did um, so let's so so as you know over the last let's say six years mm -hmm. you've gone from 115 and the 165 rate. That's that's a substantial difference in rates um how has your customer base uh handled that so at first let let, let we could we could probably segment the segment that six years into probably you know the first three to the last three right the first three years was was okay. uh i would say that was utter turmoil um we didn't realize what kind of a customer base we had. Uh, we just thought, hey, we can raise the labor rates and um, put in a service writer and do all this stuff. Um, 
and and I was customers were dropping like flies. Um, although there were a few customers in that in that fold that really believed in where I was going. Um, a lot of them were the type of customers that would drive 20 miles to save five bucks. So okay. we saw the drop off of that type of customer. And, and, and I think Cecil, you were saying uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15% of, of your customer base is, is going to, uh, of the population is, is frugal uh, regardless, you know, they, they always, they're the coupon. They numbers. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere and, in there. Right. So I think our customer base was closer to about 30 to 40% of those people that were frugal and absolutely had to have the, the best price. Um, so that was kind of a lot of soul searching and figuring out, you know, systems processes and, and what needs to happen in the shop for, for us to, um, to, to attract that better customer. Because, um, you know, just simply raising the rate, labor rates and, and not upping the value in the eyes of the customer, what it, that doesn't work. Um, but, you know, these lessons for me were... Okay you know, big pendulum swings, really. Oh, oh, let's go raise the labor rate. And and what else am I doing to support that? I wasn't really doing anything to support that. Um, yeah, you know, we don't have that much money. So uh, the kid that was sweeping the floors last week, um, you know, his mom is a lawyer. Uh, he has a background in office work and he wants to be in the office, right? So let's put him up here. And that's what my dad kind of decided. It wasn't my decision to put... Um, um, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, up in the front. And I'm like, all right, fine, we'll go with it. And but, but um, he was he was inexpensive because yeah. he was not knowledgeable. Exactly. Or skilled. And, yeah. I mean, he was and, a good guy. Don't get me wrong. We're not we're not taking away from the person in saying that he just didn't have the skills to be a good service advisor. And he was cheap. I could pay we could pay him inexpensively. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, so and, and, and I, I got to make a go ahead. Go ahead. I, I got to make a comment because I think it's it's really important in 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 the general population. Uh, there might be 20 percent that are frugal for two different reasons. One is that they're frugal. They, they can't do anything else. It's in their DNA. And then the second is they're broke and they have to be frugal because that's how they manage their life. The other 80% of the population is really not looking for the cheapest price. They're looking for a good value, but a good value doesn't mean uh, cheaper and expensive. It means uh, uh, I feel like what you've done for me and what I'm paying for it is, is fair. Okay. Um, but what's, and okay, I, so but, hit the pause button, hold that thought. Yeah. What's interesting is that some of those old customers, uh, through various phone campaigns that I've done over the years, and say, "Hey, um, you haven't been in a long time. I just want to, you know, make contact with you and, and see how you guys are doing and and how you felt when you left and why you haven't been back." Um, and some of those people, their life situation had changed. Um, you know, when I met them. Yeah, six years ago they were college students and they they, they were eating top ramen and they couldn't afford us. Um, and, and now six years later, we, we have a, another conversation and and now they're they're um, full grown ups now. They they have their own family and they're they're paying their bills now. Now it's like you know, Tatsu, I'll give you another try. So 
it, it it's weird. It's just like a, a portion of them just completely went away, and a portion of them, well, if you if you just tap in the um tap them on the shoulder, they'll come back. So okay, yeah, go back so, to so. Okay. The reason I, I the reason I made that particular comment is because I think that sometimes people go, um, you know, I, uh, man, I took my price up and I chased away a bunch of my customers. But the problem is, is that you you had a customer base that was put mostly or or a majority of them were really these inexpensive people that didn't have a good job. They were call it, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah and, and you exactly. did that through the way that you marketed, right? Yeah. So. So um, one of the challenges that I have uh, felt, there's a couple others that I might, I might want to talk about, but one of them was, you know, we're chasing away these people who really were used to a shop that was inexpensive um, and we're trying to push them into uh, a new model, right? Where yeah. we're not cheap, we're not the most expensive guy in town, but you know, I'd like to get paid and and I want to have a fair wage. And I, I think my employees need to have a fair wage. So we've got to go up in price. There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame. They can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to ifrave.com and register now. We'll see you in class. Talk about your challenge, um, uh, you know, molding or changing your customer base. You got me? Did I yeah, I understand. Or are you thinking about it? I, I, okay. I understand what you're saying. Um, wow. Um, how do I answer that question? It, it, I, um, it was really just more of a progression of me. It's just like, Hey, um, this is, this is, this is the extra, this is how much it is now. Um, and they would just leave, but to mold the customer, huh? I mean, it's the additional amenities. It's the three year 36,000 mile warranty. It's the loaner cars. Um, there was no easy path to, it was just like, well, let's just try this and raise the price, right? Raise the price. All right, let's get a better service writer. That's, it, it, it was a barrage of things. I, I don't have the minutes of it. You know, the, no, uh, the, the cliff notes version of that. I, um, I don't know how to answer that. So, so, um, but you've, but you've, you've changed your marketing um, yes, and you've changed your focus on the type of customer that you're trying to reach. Yeah. So it was um, uh, the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, it was, uh, what else was there? Um, spending a lot of money on like things like Kikui, uh, which is uh, the website slash backend marketing company. Um, people like Dan Vance. Well, now you have... Yeah, yeah, now you have Dan and, and um, Damon, Damon uh, working on your SEO. Yeah, right. yeah, I do. Shoot me in the head. Um, <laughs> so, and, and you are you've done you've done some really cool 
uh, SEO stuff, some cool videos and fun stuff with your daughter and, and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and, and do you, do you think, you know, so let's go back six years ago. What was the primary source of customers six years ago for your business? Referral only Yelp. Uh, Yelp is big in our neighborhood, obviously, but uh, so you weren't really, yeah, you weren't, you weren't really doing much else. No. And now today, what's the primary source for your customer base? Uh, Yelps, uh, referrals, uh, Google, uh, a quick internet search. Um, just, just the reviews have completely changed. Um, what people say about us. Do you, do you, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I so what, thought, but I'm gonna hold on. Yeah. Yeah. So so what people say about us, like it, it, there's this constant barrage of of if a customer is looking online for us for an automotive shop nearby them, they see the reviews and everybody's like, well, these guys aren't the cheapest, but they damn damn they do the best job. So. Yeah. He, he, okay. You know. So the the staff in the back has changed, and and I have changed, and and the level of professionalism has changed. I guess that could be also considered marketing as well. So. So, so let's talk about your change. Um, your dad's still there. And dad's still there. Uh, um, the way that I see it, dad still, Dad still owns the company and dad's still in charge, but he's letting you pretty much run the company and do what you feel is necessary. Is that correct? Yes, very much so. How, how did you, um, so there's a lot of guys that are, are kind of in your shoes or have been in your shoes or will be. There's a lot of, of uh, sons who are working for dads. And, and in my, you know, after working for my dad for 17 years, I walked away because dad still, I didn't see a point where I could own the business or, or make this thing work. Um, but you have, have hung in and your dad's still there. How have you, how has that happened for you that that's been able to work? Um, sheer stubbornness. <laughs> um, Yours or his? <laughs> a little, <laughs> both. Both, um, you know, there. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Have you have you ever gotten really? Have you ever? Yeah. Okay. Um, go, go have ahead, you ever go gotten ahead. really discouraged where you felt like I, I just? Have you ever gotten really discouraged where you feel like I I'm not going to make it here or, or this is not going to work for me? There's times when I I feel that way, but I just can't see myself doing anything else. There's there's a pride and a stubbornness there for me. Yes. Um, and, 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 unfortunately the way that my dad was running it back then, I don't believe he, um, he saved socked away enough to, to, to walk away. Um, there's an independence that I wish I kind of had. Um, but although I, for the 90 percentile of everything that happens in the shop, um, it's, I, I have that independence right now. So, you know, I just need to kind of wait him out. I feel bad saying that, but yeah. Well, but I, but I think that's okay. I think that's okay. 
you know, I, I didn't want my father to just leave the business. I mean, I loved working with him. I, I enjoyed most every day with my dad. Uh, it was um, it was something that we didn't have when I was growing up. Um, but I felt like I was being strangled uh, uh, in the business. And and every every time I tried to bring us into the 21st century, I, f- I felt like he was yanking us back. Um, mm, yeah, and, yeah. and I don't sense that. I, I don't sense that in your in your experience, uh, at least today. Okay? No. No, and 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 and, 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 so and, and, and as how difficult. Did you... Go ahead. And and as difficult as as twenty twenty has been, and some of the struggles prior to that, um, somehow he just goes with what I do. Um, I mean, obviously, there's still some struggles in in the other shop, the partner, um, and and but buying out the other partner um hopefully at this point uh will buy a little bit of independence for dad that dad can walk away from the shop so i i think the partner had had is a little bit of you know pushing him down too because he it, there's this unspoken thing between them that said well you got to be working uh the other partner believes that he's going to work until he he dies so we're now in the process of of um, buying out the other partner. So, yeah, separating the the two entities. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so l- let me let me shift gears just a tad. Um, you're in the group. Um, I have been fairly hard on you several times, three or four times. I know of for sure. Yeah. Um. You and I have kind of, I think, a, a, a bit of a bond. Um, I don't know why exactly, uh, but, you know, you call me uncle and I call you nephew. And and uh, um, how was that for you when I was being tough on you in, in the group in front of the other people? I needed to hear it. Um, you know, I, I don't have any mentors in the shop, but I... Dad certainly isn't a mentor. I mean, that would be, that sounds like an insult, but he's a mentor in the sense that, yeah, he's, he's gone through it and, but not at the same experiences that I'm having. There's, there's bigger things that I want for the shop. I want it to be a, a, a viable thing for my kids. If they want to take it over that I'm not hanging over their shoulder. I want them to have a, have, have, have that and and also uh, for the fact that we have employees that uh, should be making a proper wage uh, and and they are currently so and it hurts every month when especially during COVID right now oh my gosh uh, to pay them that much but I I owe it to them and so for you to to give me a hard time to to tell me what I need to hear um you're something clicked with with uh, me and you probably about four four or five years ago and and I'm like well this is it I'm not going anywhere so um you know there's there's a dozen other coaches out there and and they just don't do it for me so uh, but yeah I needed to hear the 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 tough message that you you uh you said in front of everybody else so you're you're my guy. 
So what, what, what was the, what was the hardest thing? What, what was the hardest thing for you to, to learn or overcome? I still have a little bit of a playfulness to me. I, and I still do to this day. Um, and just sit down and do it. Um, I, I think, I think you saw something in me last year. Um, this is right about when, uh, Jasper quit at my shop. He was a former service writer and Jasper had quit. And I was like, all right, what am I, what am I not doing here? What am I not understanding here that, um, is, is keeping me at this level? Why is, why did he quit? He was an incredibly talented service writer. And what ended up happening, uh, that, that January, I was just, I just decided, you know what, let's give service writing another chance. Meaning that I needed to spend time in that, in that chair for a significant amount of time or else every subsequent service writer that I would hire from that point on would, would essentially go into the same we, we'd run into the same problem. I would have nothing to offer, nothing to teach to that person. Um, and last year was a huge growth year for me um, in, in terms of it, my mentality and, and how I run the shop because I needed to, I've been the technician before, um, but I have never really done the service writer uh, except for a few moments when I, we have an absence or uh, we're looking for another service writer. Um, so I just decided to sit down and do it. And that was a big game changer for me. From, from my perspective, um, the first, I don't know, let's say three years, maybe, maybe four, I, I don't think it's your playful nature that, uh, was holding you back. I think everybody should have a playful nature. I actually have one. I can pull some really good practical jokes, uh, depending on the, the, I can get you if I need to. Um, and I enjoy it. I, I, I love it. And I love having fun. Um, I think I felt like you had not made a real decision to really learn what you needed and be successful up until around the time that Jasper left the business. And I think right then you made that decision. And I think that's a really important part of being successful as an automotive business that a lot of people, um, you know, we, my dad, um, you know, 12 and a half years old goes to work because he needs to help support the family works at a Ford dealership kind of migrates into being a technician when he's 25 or six, he opens his own shop. Uh, but I don't think he ever, thought of himself as a businessman and I have to make this thing I have to learn what I need to make this thing really work the shop always provided just enough that it was okay we're doing all right but we were never doing spe spectacular great and I don't think he ever made that decision I think that happens to a lot of shop owners a lot of guys in this business they never get really serious about learning and, and about being the best that they can be at running their business as opposed to being a great tech or something else. Do you, do you feel like 
that there was a switch thrown there for you? I I don't. And and, and what was the impetus for that? How, how did that happen? Go ahead. I don't, I don't know about the impetus, but there there is something in me that just I I I, I got to make this thing better. I I, I got to make this um, this shop be a viable business. Um, you know, there's a lot of shop owners out there that, Hey, well, the car comes in, the car comes in and we work on it. You know, I'm not that guy. Um, I, I want to have not just the image, but the, the customer to have that better experience. Um, you know, my, my current, my current, uh, shop management shopware is shopware. Uh, it, the, the customer experience now is, is in the transparency. Although the prior shop management shopware did a pretty good job at, at taking those photos and the digital inspection. Um, the customer experience has completely changed because of it. Um, that, and also the loaner cars that, and also the three year 36,000 mile warranty. Um, uh, we decorated the heck out of the front office. The front office looks like a million bucks now. Um, you know, and, and I have guys that are coming to me that are, are they, in fact, right now there is a there is a Land Cruiser out in the shop right uh, out in the shop right now that looks beat to hell, but this customer's like, dude, I don't. You're just as much, or maybe even a little bit more in terms of price than the dealer is, but oh my god, the car runs so much better. Um, I didn't. I've never had this customer experience before, and and I, I you're my guy now. And, and I'm getting more and more of those type of customers. Um, so, you know, your, your effort is met with that kind of a person. And, and, you know, it's kind of the yin and the yang. It's just like, if, if you've done so much to, to do so much for the customer, all, all of a sudden now you have, now you have a customer that, that does as much for you as you do for them. So... Do you feel um, you feel vindicated in in moving the business forward in this way, or do you you know would you would you want it back to the old way, or you know do you feel like you're on a really good uh, trajectory, um, whatever that is? There's obviously things that that need to change, especially in the year of COVID. Um, I, I yesterday was a, a, a humbling experience. I, I decided I was just going to call as many old customers that aren't coming in anymore, and and just uh, obviously because of COVID, right? I just wanted to say, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a while. Why don't you come on in? Um, we're we're it, it's it's tough times right now. Um, so yesterday was kind of um, humbling in the sense that I need to stay vigilant. And especially this year with, with marketing, I can't just let it rest on my laurels and let things happen the way that they would. So, um, whereas, you know, the year prior, I didn't need to do as much marketing, but this year I had to work that much harder. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if anybody can sit back, whether there was COVID or not, frankly, uh, I think the business and especially marketing uh, for the business has really made a, a, a remarkable change in the last, say, three to four years, and certainly in the last like year and a half. Um, 
And I think for some people, they're second guessing things like their price and stuff, uh, as opposed to thinking about their level of service and their and their marketing. You know, is it really um, that I'm chasing customers away because my price has gotten too high, or is it really that um, my marketing that I used to do is not working the way that it, it needs to work anymore. Stop wasting your time trying to find a magic bullet. There isn't one. However, our Keys to Automotive Business Success teaches the foundations of a successful automotive shop and gets you started on the right path, which is pretty close. You'll learn how to set actionable and achievable goals, understand your financial model, and how to communicate more effectively with your team. This course was designed to jumpstart your results, not waste your time. Take the class today and you'll learn how to start creating the business and life you want. Visit ifrave.com to register for the class at only $49 and available to take wherever and whenever you'd like it's what every shop owner needs to kickstart their business into success um what do you think about that well that's a tough question um we're we're on on the verge of an economic plunge um but traditionally speaking when the economy is doing bad uh, automotive is doing good um so people are more likely to hold on to their cars. I, I, okay. I still, I still think there's that customer out there. Um, although that, that segment of 10 to 15% that you mentioned is probably going to be closer to 30. Now of uh, uh, the population, I still think there's that customer out there that wants that better customer experience uh, instead of the no frills. Um, I mean, I, I've been, uh, I've had to take cuts in my pay and, uh, I still go out to good, good places to eat. <laughs> so what does that tell you about a, you know, what, uh, about the customers? Uh, there is still that customer out there that demands well, I, better service. I, I, I've had, uh, uh, my pay is definitely this year going to be lower than it was last year. There's less profit in the company. Um, uh, but I'm still eating at nice restaurants. And when my truck needs work i mean i needed tires and, and the other day and it was painful but i took it in and we got tires in alignment and then of course it needed a cool and flush and you know a couple of other things pretty soon we were up to about three grand um i still wrote the check i mean i well you don't write checks anymore i still slid the card in but um you know i I, I be a little more careful about how they spend money but there's a bulk of the population is really looking for that value and value is not necessarily just price. It's it's all of the other things that come along with with you know how you take care of the car. Um, yeah. Just even your uniform, um, those are really sharp. How different is that from what you had six years ago? Right, six, six years ago is a polo shirt that was given to me by my, my uniform company. Yeah. Um, uh, here's another example of, of something like that. Um, I was up, uh, visiting Tracy, one of our, uh, our group members. And, um, I decided I was going to spend two days up there and shadow a shop because we're not doing the group meetings right now. Right. So I put the, my, ma- I put my mask on and I, I hung out in, uh, in Tracy's lobby for two days and, and learned a few things. Um, the hotel room that I, that I stayed in was relatively nice. Uh, and, and on my way down, I just made a really rash decision. Uh, I was meeting a, a friend in Santa Maria uh, on my way down and, and just picked a random hotel. And, oh, my God, it was just disgusting. 
uh, oh, well, I'm going to sleep, sleep in here for one night anyways. Oh, well, it, it was cheap. I'll just, I'll just stick with it. Um, yeah. Right. So, so the, the, ho- the cheap hotel room between and the expensive hotel room, what kind of feelings does that conjure? So, so you look at a customer and the customer wants to come, go to a shop, right? And the customer wants to go to a shop that, that looks like, looks like mine, acts like mine, gives the better customer experience versus the, the, you know, you walk into the garage and the garage is oily. Um, there's a, a ton of tools strewn all around the hoist. Um, you know, how does, how professional does that look? You know, um, it's almost as if you're going to the doctor, uh, in, in his home basement, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, and, and there's, there's body parts lying around, right? <laughs> <laughs> but is that, is that really, I mean, you know how I feel and, and I, I think in order to charge in a professional way and, and, uh, uh, our, as our industry, especially because of where we've come from, we need to be even more professional than maybe we really need to be. Oh, yeah. um, so oh, yeah. I'm on the side of, you know, make it look good, make it feel good, make it taste good, make it smell good. Um, but do you think that's really necessary to be successful for the average shop? If your ambitions are, I'm going to be a mechanic for the rest of my life. It's, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm happy with the two hoist place that I have. And I'm just going to charge whatever and, and not have employees. I mean, that's fine. If that's, if that's your ambition in life, I I'm not knocking it. Okay. Um, but I'm working here with a legacy. I, 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 I want this to live beyond me. Um, and I you want, take, yeah, go ahead. And you take, and you take very seriously the fact that your father started this business and it has a name and a reputation and it attaches to him and you also. Yes, very much so. So, so let's, let, let me, um, let's just shift a little because I want to, I want to have a little bit of this discussion. So, um, you, you, you join a group, uh, say six years ago. Tell me about that experience. What what were the challenges with the group experience, and 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 what were the what what do you feel were the benefits for you? Um, I, the the benefit um, now I have anywhere from twenty in my immediate group. Uh, I think we had as many as twenty four people at one point. Um, currently we're probably around 15 or something like that, but anyway, which way, you know, the, the, the very fact that I can reach out to all these people and say, Hey, how would you treat this situation? Um, how would you fix this car? Um, what kind of software are you using on, uh, to, to run your shop? What kind of pro, uh, you know, policies and procedures do you have for this particular um, instance of, of things happening in your garage and the customer, something goes unrailed with the customer. Um, that has been invaluable. Um, that whole trip uh, up to Santa Cruz wouldn't have happened if, if, if I didn't know Tracy uh, from the groups. Um, and then I even call across the country, uh, Kevin and Kevin and uh, Lisa. Uh, Lisa. Yeah. Um, all these people that have been kind of hovering around us, right? Like we have the Southwest group, which uh, well, the California group now, right? So we have the California group that were, were the immediate group. And then we have the Northwest group. Uh, We have the Colorado group. We have 
the South, we have the Northeast, all these people who have stuck around for a long time uh, through thick and thin um, are all people that I consider my friends now. Um, so a little bit less stress on Cecil, right? We don't ask as many questions about with from Cecil. <laughs> I think that, I think one of the, one of the disadvantages of having me as the group, you know, leader or whatever you want to call it is that I think I know so much. So I answer more questions than I probably should. I think groups being in the group and having lots of different people that can help you and, and that have been through what you've been through, I think is one of the great values of the group uh, and one of the great advantages of the group. Yes. For um, sure. It, it is interesting, you know, um, when you think about, you know, who you married, um, if I, if I hadn't have went to church, I wouldn't have met my wife. And if I didn't meet my wife, I wouldn't be married to her and I wouldn't have the kids I have and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was an action on my part that put me in a place where I could meet these people, uh, in my, in my job, uh, my career, my, my passion, uh, at being a coach, consultant, trainer, um, I get to meet a lot of, of, of shop owners and I don't, I don't like all of them, frankly, but most of them I, I, I really like, and, and, and a good majority of them have become pretty darn good friends. You know, people that I feel like if I needed something, uh, I could call and, and they'd be, they'd have my back for me. Right. Um, do, do you, I mean, you've been in there six years. Do you think there's a point where it's like, I don't need a group anymore. There is a, a point in time in the future. And I don't know when that future is because right now I'm still kind of, I'm still humble. I'm, I'm not uh, making a gazillion dollars yet. I mean, although I had a record breaking year last year, I need to kind of reproduce that. I, I don't see the groups being not a thing, at least for the next 10 years or so for me. I mean, my, I'm stubborn and you know that um, I don't learn things quickly. Um, the groups will be a part of my life for probably another, another 10 years. Um, at which point maybe I, I would, I would uh, uh, have you come in directly one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't know. Maybe I'd never get to that level. I don't know. What are the, what but, are the uh, hold on one second. I want to fin finish that thought. Um, but if I do get to that level, I feel an obligation to, to give back to the group. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm already sort of doing that right now. I have a, um, a lot of the shop owners that, um, that have recently got into the groups that call me on a regular basis and ask me for advice. And I'm like, well, shoot, I'm not Cecil, but <laughs> I certainly have been around enough and I, I should probably, you know, uh, some of the advice I give, I should probably take them on my own. I, sh I should do it myself, but you know, I've heard it a million times. So maybe regurgitating that uh, makes me do things that I should. There's a, there's a joy um, to, to helping others and teaching others. And I think that every time I work with a, a shop owner or a group, I actually learn things myself. Um, last night I was meeting with uh, someone that, you know, real well, uh, um, you know, talking about relationships and communication and, and, uh, um, and then reflecting on my own life, there were some things there that the advice that I, I gave that I should be taking that I'm not, I'm not doing myself. So I, I don't think, I don't know that there's ever a perfection in who we are or what we do, 
I think um, the journey is the is the thing, you know, long term. Um, all right, so we're we're like three minutes uh, left. Where would you be without the group and the and and the help from other people? Where where do you think you would be at this point? I'd still be here. Um, there's obviously uh, a pride I have in my shop. I'd still think I'd probably be a, probably a technician, um, trying to figure it out on my own, not doing very well at it. Okay. But, um, um, yeah. And, and last but not least for the last, you know, say minute and a half, um, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you can give um, another son who's working with his dad or another owner who's struggling uh, to make adjustments and, and changes in their business? Open up your mind. Um, there, there is other people that are doing the same damn business as you are, um, and 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 I see it all the time. Um, I, I'm one of the biggest proponents of this group. Uh, I go knock on doors. I meet shop owners all the time to try to get them to a, a group meeting. And why? Why would you not want to understand how other people are running their shops? Um, regardless if it's a, a German, a Japanese car, like uh, the ones that we work on or a domestic or, or, or a general uh, car repair shop, you know, why wouldn't you want to step into a group meeting? And it's, it's funny. I have, uh, there's, there's shop owners that, that I, that I hit up regularly. Hey, let's, let's go to a group meeting. Oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Right. You're too busy, not making money. Right. There's, there's a better way to run things. There's a, and, and maybe I'm a bad example of this, but you know, there's an easier way to run things and eventually I'll get to that place. You know, and why wouldn't you work towards that goal of making the shop run for you and easier for you? Right. Yeah. You know, I, um, I think there's a fear sometimes uh, from some of the us, us that have been doing it a very long time. I, I don't know that I want to learn what I've been doing wrong because you know, did I just waste the last 30 years of my life? I think there's some of that. I think there's the, I'm not making money now and I'm struggling financially. So could I really afford it? Um, and then, uh, you know, we're an independent business, which I think is one of our issues with moving our industry forward is that we're all, you know, so opinionated and, and independent. At least I see those as the challenges. Um, we're at that time, Tatsu. Um, I got to tell you, buddy, uh, I know you were a little uh, nervous about doing this one, but I think this is one of the best ones that we've had. And I think anybody that's, uh, you know, working with their dad or, 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 you know, wants to move their shop forward, this is going to be a really, this is going to be one that they just got to watch. So, um, man, you know, I love you, brother. And, uh, and, uh, I, I really do appreciate how much of an advocate you are for, uh, my company and, and for our groups and, and also for doing it, you know, really struggling hard to get to a point where you feel like you're doing it right. Um, I'm going to tell the crowd what I I've told you uh, a few times, and that is, um, keep doing the right things and, and you'll get the right things, right? Just hang in there. Um, it's not perfect today. Uh, it won't be perfect tomorrow, but it gets better and better and better. The more you effort that you put in. So um, th 
Thank you, brother. And I can't wait for the day that you can take me to a, a nice Korean barbecue again. Hey, Japanese, uh, Japanese. Okay, either one. I'm good. I, some of the best food I've had. Uh, I, be, I brag about you to my family. Um, I said, man, I got to go down and see Tatsu so I can have a good meal. Um, no, I'm, uh, I, I, you know, uh, Koreans and Japanese kind of have, you know, have a little rivalry, but I love Korean people too. <laughs> it's good food. That's all I know. Yeah, I like that's it. what it so, is. <laughs> all right, brother. And, and, uh, if you want to, uh, if, if somebody wanted to inquire of you, how would they get a hold of you? Um, what's the best way? Um, just call me, call my shop if you wanted to. Um, it's also Tatsu at TokyoAutomotive.com. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not one person to, to give out my personal cell phone number until maybe about two, three visits in, but I, I'm more than happy to help you uh, with your shop and, cool. and I'll have opinions and advice that maybe I don't follow completely to the T myself, but I've been through a lot of things in the last, uh, uh, uh 10, 12 years. So, yeah, I, I, I really think you're an asset to the industry. I, I wasn't so sure about that about four years ago, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate you. Again, thanks. We're going to end it. Um, Tatsu, have a, have a great week. And, and you know, if you need me, baby, you know how to get a hold of me, okay? All right. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Bye. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iForAbe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.